Scripture reading this morning is going to be in Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Let's all stand together for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 15 of the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts 16, begin with verse 6. It says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed uh, there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Our Father and our God, we ask that you would bless your word to us this morning. Uh, help us to uh, learn and grow from the study of Scripture that we have before us. I just pray that each one of us uh, would be committed this year and this new year to the advancement of your kingdom in big ways and in small, uh, that you would use us uh, toward that end. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we were last in the book of Acts, so let me remind you of where we left off. We are right at the start of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul and Barnabas parted ways at the end of chapter 15. You may remember they had a disagreement about whether or not to take John Mark with them, and so they split. Uh, the, the, it caused a split between them. They parted ways. Paul took Silas uh, along with him and left Antioch, headed northwest uh, through Cilicia and Galatia, stopping at all of those churches they had planted uh, the first time. Uh, strengthening the churches, seeing how they were doing, maybe correcting some error, uh, various things like that. It was just sort of a checkup uh, on those new church plants. In Lystra, Paul meets a young man named Timothy. We saw all of this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Timothy was a young man growing up in the church in Lystra that Paul had started a few years prior on that last uh, missionary trip. And Paul decides to take Timothy along with him on his travels. Uh, throughout Paul's life, he does this. He takes various people uh, with him on these church planting trips and uh, training them all along the way for ministry. Some of those who traveled with him ended up pastoring churches or even writing books of the Bible, uh, like the book of Acts, for example. And so, uh, as we see on the map here, uh, let me just give you a little update of where we're at. They have returned. They left Antioch. They, they went through Cilicia. And then these are those churches they started the first time in Antioch, uh, Iconium, Derby, and uh, Lystra. And so now that they've sort of gone to those places that they started the first time, they've uh, made sure everything's going okay, uh, now Paul is ready to go somewhere else. He wants to go to new places uh, with the gospel of Christ. After all, this is the work 
that Jesus had called him to even back at his conversion uh, on the Damascus Road. Jesus told him, I'm going to send you out and you're going to be a torch basically for the gospel, just lighting things up and spreading the gospel of Jesus throughout the world. And so the question is, where do we go now? Uh, Where where should Paul head now that he has uh, gone back to those churches that he started the first time? Well, the first thought that he had was to go north. Uh, He wanted to go up into Asia, this region. Please don't get confused. Asia, we think of Asia today as a continent, right? This huge landmass. That's not what what Scripture is talking about when it says Asia. Okay, Asia was a region. So this is Cappadocia. This is Galatia. This is Asia. So it's not not the whole continent. It's just a little region uh, there right by uh, Europe, basically, uh, in between there. So uh, Paul wants to go up to Asia to preach the gospel to those places there. But God said no. So they head to Mysia, and they want to travel up to Bithynia. That's this region up here. So they head up to Mysia, and they say, oh, maybe we can go up here and preach the gospel up in Bithynia. And again, the Spirit of God did not allow them to go there. So they end up going to Troas, which is right here by the the Aegean Sea. So they're in the city of Troas, and they're sort of just waiting, uh, waiting for God to give them some sort of direction. Uh, He's told them no at two different locations they wanted to go. And so they camp out in Troas and wait for God uh, to give them further instructions. Verse 6, this is all uh, laid out in the first three verses of our text. Let's read those, beginning with verse 6. It says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And so that's where they're at. Uh, Now, what is all of this about? Why would God uh, prevent them from preaching the gospel in Asia and Bithynia? Why would he do that? Why would he forbid them from going there? How was this even communicated to them? How did they know that the Spirit of God did not want them going there? What about all those poor people in Asia and Bithynia? Did they have no hope? of hearing the gospel and being saved? Why didn't God want them to have a chance to be Christians? Uh, We will address all of those questions in order, beginning with the first one. Uh, Why? Why uh, Why did God not want Paul to go to those places? And the answer is, I don't know. Uh, Maybe Paul would have been killed there. Maybe something terrible would have happened. Uh, Maybe someone else was better suited to reach those places than Paul. Scripture doesn't tell us why Paul uh, Paul and Silas were forbidden from going to Asia and Bithynia with the gospel on this occasion. But as we continue to read the rest of the chapter, I can think of at least one good reason, perhaps, that was a part of it. In Troas, as we'll see in a minute, Paul meets a man named Luke. uh, And Luke ends up uh, traveling with Paul and Silas and writing down everything that they're experiencing on these missionary trips. He asks Paul about the past experiences from his time in the Sanhedrin, from the conversion on the Damascus Road, the Jerusalem Council, the first missionary journey. He gets all of this information from Paul, and he begins to write it all out for us, and that's what we have in the book of Acts. So because of this relationship between Paul and Luke that started here in Acts 16, we have the book of Acts today. Luke wrote this book, and none of it would have happened if Paul had gone up to Asia instead of going to Troas. Uh, 2,000 years later, we are still being impacted by this decision. So that's just one result, and I suspect there's probably a million other things that we will never know. The point is, God knows everything. Uh, God sees the end from the beginning, 
Uh, He's always doing 10,000 things at once, and you might be aware of three of them. And so it's very foolish for us to question God when we don't have all of the information needed nor the wisdom necessary to make such an evaluation. It's like someone playing pool. Uh, If you ever see the really good pool players, they can do all these sort of trick moves and things. Uh, When you first watch them, you you might see them hit the white ball directly into a wall. And you think, what was the point of that? That seemed like a really weird decision. Uh, But then, at first, though it may seem like a pointless, dumb thing to do, then you see the white ball bounces off the wall, ricochets over, sends another ball directly into a corner pocket, and you realize that what looked like a mistake or a random choice at first was actually an expertly executed move. And so whatever reasons God had, he knew what he was doing when he told Paul, don't go to Asia, don't go to Bithynia. And Paul was wise enough to submit to the will of the Lord. You and I ought to learn from that example. We may have our plans and our thoughts of how to do things, but and that's fine to do, nothing wrong with having those plans, nothing wrong with strategizing and coming up with your, your own idea there, but God sometimes has different plans. And your perfectly thought out plan sometimes goes down the drain. We need to learn to trust God's wisdom and submit to his will rather than fighting against it and insisting on our own plans instead. So why did God uh, tell Paul not to go to those places? The answer is we don't really know, uh, but he has good reasons for it. Next question. How did God communicate this to Paul? Answer. I don't know. Uh, It may have been uh, through a vision like the one that he gets in verse 9. Maybe God appeared to Paul uh, prior to this and told him, don't go there, don't go there. I kind of doubt that because it isn't mentioned, whereas the one vision is. It's possible that the forbidding was made clear through circumstances. So maybe God didn't actually speak to them. Maybe it was just they were, you know, Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're headed for Bithynia. Uh, Maybe travel wasn't possible for some reason. Some other circumstance wouldn't allow them uh, to go there. And so they took that as the Spirit forbidding them from doing so. That's possible. But again, I don't think it's super likely, as it is explicitly stated twice, that the Holy Spirit forbid them. So it seems most likely to me that God communicated this through prophecy. Uh, We know throughout the New Testament, even in the book of Acts so far that we've seen, uh, the Holy Spirit was very active during this time. Uh, He was speaking to people. He was giving them visions, as we see in our text, giving them prophetic words, uh, including there were many people in this time that had the spiritual gift of prophecy. Uh, God communicated earlier in the book of Acts about a coming famine, you may remember, through the prophet Agabus. And so if I had to guess, I would say God probably spoke through a prophet to Paul, telling him not to go to those places. But again, that's just my best guess. Last question. What about all those poor people in Asia? What about all those people in Bithynia? Why wouldn't God give them an opportunity to hear the gospel and be saved? This one I can actually give a clear answer to. Uh, years later, the Apostle Peter writes the book of 1 Peter to Christians in these very areas. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, back to our map here. You've got uh, Pontus right here. Uh, you've got Galatia right there. You've got Cappadocia you got Asia, and you have Bithynia. So that's this whole region right here. Peter is writing this letter to Christians and to churches that are in these areas. So the gospel did get to them. 
Remember, the kingdom of Christ is a lot bigger than Paul. We only know what Paul was doing because Luke traveled with him and wrote it all down for us. But what about Barnabas? Where did he go? Where did Peter go? Where did John go? Where did Matthew go? Uh, There were a lot of people that were going to different places with the gospel. And so God had it all figured out. He could use other people to get the gospel to those places. And again, those are the reasons why he chose to do that are known only to God. But he had chosen for Paul to go further west to Macedonia. Uh, By the way, if you look at the map here, in the area known as Bithynia, you see the city right here called Nicaea. Uh, which may ring a bell in your mind if you've heard of the Council of Nicaea. A couple hundred years later, they met there to hammer out things like the deity of Christ uh, and other doctrinal matters in Christianity. So it's not like Paul went west and all those poor people up to the north had no chance of being saved. Uh, The gospel permeated this whole area uh, quite thoroughly. Uh, Here's another view of the same area. This is, you know, modern day, a current aerial view of this uh, area. Uh, Notice what's here known as Asia, uh, the first place that Paul said, don't go there. That would be kind of this region right here. You notice the city of Thyatira and the city of Ephesus right there. Uh, These are two places mentioned later in Scripture. Paul does end up going to Ephesus on the return trip. We'll see that uh, in a few chapters. In Revelation chapter 2, John sends a letter to the church in Thyatira. So once again, uh, the gospel got to those places Uh, Just not through Paul necessarily, through other people. Uh, Ancient handwritten copies of the New Testament have been found literally all over this entire region around the the Mediterranean Sea, indicating that there were Christians uh, occupying all of these areas. So Paul is in Troas. He's got Timothy and Silas with him. Uh, Troas, uh, again, just to reorient you, is right here. That's the city of Troas. And so they're there at Troas. He has Paul, uh, Paul, Timothy, Silas. So you got three people there. And he's wanting to preach the gospel to new places. He's not sure where to go. Uh, they try to go to Asia. God said no. They try to go up to Bithynia. The Spirit of God again said, uh, don't go there. And so they wait in Troas for some direction. And God gives it to them in the form of a dream. Uh, verse 9 says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they set sail for Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece. Uh, So on the map again, you can see uh, Israel is down here. This is where Christianity first starts. That's the city of Jerusalem, where Jesus died, where he rose again, and where the church really began uh, there in Israel. Uh, now we're over here in Greece. Uh, this is Macedonia, modern-day Greece. Eventually, Paul's going to make it all the way over to here. You see the boot of Italy uh, there. And so that's, that's basically uh, all of the places Paul ends up going throughout his life are pretty much uh, that whole northern region there. <clears throat> so he gets this dream. Uh, saying to go to Macedonia and to help them. By the way, here in Troas is where Luke joins the team. I know you look down and you you don't see necessarily Luke is mentioned by name there, Uh, but maybe if you're a very astute reader, you've noticed a shift in the pronouns. Back in verse 7, it says, When they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. So Luke is writing about things that 
Uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy did. He keeps referring to them as they, so he's not including himself there. Then notice in verse 10, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here in Troas, Luke joins the team. Uh, We don't know a whole lot about Luke, except that he was a doctor, and he became a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul mentions Luke by name in some of his letters, for example, in Colossians 4. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Again, in Philemon 23, uh, Paul is listing some of the people that were traveling with him that were his companions. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, sends greetings to you. Uh, So do Mark, uh, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And then toward the end of Paul's life, as he is in prison in Rome, this is right before uh, he is executed, he writes to Timothy and says, Luke alone is with me. So Luke sticks by Paul's side uh, really throughout the rest of his life, even as he is imprisoned. Here in Troas, uh, Paul is meeting someone who will become a lifelong friend and co-worker in his ministry. And so from this point now, you'll see a change in the Uh, the language of the book of Acts as Luke is now writing about things he personally experienced and witnessed. You'll see the we and the us pronouns uh, used as Luke is now uh, among them. Verse 11, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. So they set sail from Troas, Uh, they head to this little island of Samothrace, then to Neapolis, which is the port city, and then on foot to Philippi. Uh, I know the print is very hard to read there, I apologize for that. Uh, So they end up in Philippi. Philippi is uh, one of the the main cities in Macedonia at this time. Luke says toward the end of that verse, verse 12, that they remained in Philippi for some days. Presumably they were waiting for the Sabbath. Uh, As we've seen in Acts, it's Paul's custom when he goes into a new city on the Sabbath day to go into uh, the synagogue and preach the gospel to them first. But it seems that here in Philippi, there was no synagogue. Uh, You had to have at least 10 Jewish men in order to have a synagogue established for liturgical reasons. Uh, But here in Philippi, it seems they may not have had 10 men. There was no synagogue here in this city. But there was a place of prayer by the river. And so in the absence of a building where the Jewish people could meet. There was an established place by the river where a few Jewish ladies, maybe they were born Jews, maybe they were converted, I don't know. Uh, But either way, they came there each Sabbath to pray. Uh, Here's a picture of a river in Philippi. We can't say for sure if this is where it took place. This is the traditional site, though, of Lydia's conversion. Uh, So this is a modern-day picture of the river there in the city of Philippi. So Paul and company, they hear about this place where the Jewish women uh, meet each Sabbath day uh, by this river, and so they head down there to share the gospel with them. Verse 13 says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. 
Lydia was the first convert to Christ on European soil. She was a business lady selling purple fabrics. Uh, She was also a worshiper of God. Once again, we see how God works to get the gospel to those who are seeking him. Uh, We saw it earlier in the book of Acts with uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember he had traveled down to Jerusalem to worship God. He was reading from the book of Isaiah, uh, struggling to understand what it was saying. And God sends Philip out in the middle of the desert to give him the gospel. We saw in Acts chapter 10, a man named Cornelius was seeking God. He was praying and fasting. And God sends Peter to his house to bring the gospel to him. And now Lydia. Lydia is a worshiper of God in the city of Philippi, far away from Christianity, far away from churches, uh, preaching the gospel. And so God sends Paul way over to Macedonia to bring the gospel to her. Notice also back in verse 14, it says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And that's really the only way that any one of us can be saved is if God does a work in our heart to open our eyes uh, to receive the message of Christ. And so really the main point of everything that we've seen this morning is how God is in charge of evangelism. He is the one building his kingdom. Yes, God uses people like us or like Paul to accomplish that work, but Paul was not working for the kingdom of God on his own. God was directing Paul where to go. God was opening the hearts of people like Lydia to receive the message of salvation in Christ. And so as we work for Christ, we must learn to trust his timing and his invisible work all around us. We don't know how God may be working uh, on the hearts of people that we invite to church, people that we speak to, uh, people that we give the gospel to. And so we work, we do all that we can. It's nothing wrong with having plans uh, like Paul did. He had planned to go to Asia. He had planned to go to Bithynia. And yet we have to be humble enough to submit those plans to the will of the Lord. Verse 15, after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Once again, in the book of Acts, we see uh, baptism immediately follows conversion. We're going to talk about that more next week. Uh, It's assumed in the book of Acts that if you're a Christian, you're going to get baptized. Uh, The idea of somebody believing the gospel, submitting to Christ as Lord, but then refusing to be baptized is totally foreign to the New Testament. If you want to be a Christian, this is how you publicize that commitment. And so Lydia was baptized right there. I don't know, maybe they went right down to the river they were at and baptized her on the spot. I kind of like to think that that's what happened. But here on this very first Sabbath in Europe, uh, the first time the gospel, uh, as far as we know, gets to that continent, uh, Paul is able to baptize the very first convert to Christ, Lydia, and her household. Here we have the start of the church of Philippi. Uh, Later, years later, Paul writes the book of Philippians, to this church that was started here in Acts 16 with the conversion of this one lady named Lydia. Lydia invites Paul and his companions to stay with her at her house while they're in town, and so they kind of set up their base of operations there in the city of Philippi. This is a great example of how the kingdom of God is advanced. It's not always flashy. It's not always the day of Pentecost with 3,000 people being saved. Sometimes the gospel advances by one lady, hearing the gospel, believing, being baptized. And notice it also says her household as well. And so now we've got a family, a lady, maybe she has kids, maybe she's married, doesn't say exactly, but uh, now we have the first sort of Christian family here on the continent of Greece. 
or I'm sorry, in the country of Greece. This is how the kingdom of God is advanced, one person at a time, believing the gospel and giving their life to Jesus. And so the lesson for us today is to work for the kingdom, to do all we can to spread the gospel, and ultimately to leave it in the hands of the Lord what the results are. Sometimes we may be absolutely stunned at the number of people that receive the message gladly and are saved. Uh, Other times we may be very disappointed at opposition that we face, rejection. Paul faced certainly a lot of that. And yet all throughout it, God is building his kingdom. No matter how it may look to us at the time, no matter how bleak the future may seem, no matter how little we may feel is being accomplished, God is working in the hearts of people. And so we trust in him, uh, we, we submit our plans to his plans, and we work for his purposes in the world. Let's pray.